This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. The number of drownings every year in Ontario is staggering. As of today, 58 people have drowned in this province from January 1st to today. And we are right now in the midst of the peak drowning times in Ontario from the middle of July to the middle of August. But the experts will tell you almost all of these deaths are preventable. One of those experts is Barbara Byers, Public Education and Research Director with the Life Saving Society of Ontario. And she joins me in studio. Thanks for coming to the Zoomerplex today. Nice to be here, Jane. Why are people drowning these days? Well, I wish I could say categorically, but it seems from looking at the stats and reading the news reports for years, I think many people are impulsive. We're all so excited for summer. We live in a cold weather country where it's so cold in the winter and we just love. It's our happy time of year. And I think for many people, they're just so excited and so happy and so hot that when they're in a beautiful lake or they're at a pool, um, they just want to enjoy it. And I think for many people, they look around and they think, this doesn't look hard. Like, look at all these people. They're in the water. They're swimming. They're having fun. I can do that. What they may not realize is they really need to have some skills and some training. You need to learn to swim before you can actually swim. We're not, you know, uh, innate swimmers. We have to learn these skills. So I think it's a combination of people being so impulsive, so excited, so enthusiastic, and just wanting to be in the game and do what everybody's doing. And it's so fun and it's so pleasurable to do it in the summer. And then I think the other piece is that many people think, well, you know, bad things aren't going to happen to me. I don't need to wear a life jacket because I've boated my whole life and I've never worn one. Well, just because you haven't for the first, you know, 50 years of your life doesn't mean you won't in the future. Uh, or I can still drink and boat. It's different than driving a car. Or uh, I can boat at night because I'll be fine. I can look after myself. I can take care of myself. So there's this feeling of I'm invincible. I can look after myself measured with this, this is my happy time, my um, my fun time. So people don't want to think about bad things that could happen. But as you said, uh, almost all drownings are preventable. So it's very sad when you hear these stories. What is there any way to calculate what percentage of people in Ontario know how to swim or don't know how to swim? Uh, we've done surveys over the years and about 40% of people said they've had some swimming instruction. So it kind of depends on what you have. Like, you need more than a couple of lessons, but um, 40% is generally the case. One area that we're focusing on uh, quite intently at, with the Life Saving Society is uh, new Canadians, because mm-hmm. we know that many new Canadians come from countries where learning to swim to water safety is not part of their, their culture. Their I was going to ask you about that. So they come here, and maybe they're, they're from a desert country or landlocked, and they come to Canada with more fresh water than any other country in the world. World, and they want to embrace the Canadian experience, but they're so busy getting a place to live, a job, their kids in school, they just may not even know that how important it is to get 
swimming lessons for their family. So that's a really important focus of ours. And uh, that's part of our school-based Swim to Survive program where we uh, provide a, a program for grade three and grade seven students to give them minimum s- swimming skills. And what about their parents and grandparents? Yeah, well, that's the challenge. We we do have a program uh, called Family Swim to Survive that uh, some municipalities offer. And it's a way to get the parents to come with the kids and just to kind of learn a bit about it. But it... There are lessons for adults, too. Some people think, well, if I didn't learn as a child, then that's it. I've missed my chance. That's not true because uh, many municipalities have adult lessons taught by instructors who are used to teaching adults with other adults. You don't have to take lessons with, you know, seven-year-old kids. There's also private lessons. So I always encourage uh, parents or adults, if they don't know how to swim, or if they're young adults and they're going to have kids, it's so important to know so you can enjoy and have fun with your kids, but also be there to, uh, to you know, look after them and lifeguard them when they're in the water. I want to include uh, you, the Zoomer radio listener, in on our conversation as well with Barbara Byers from the Life Saving Society of Ontario. Your experiences around water, have you been in a situation where you, a loved one or friend, almost drowned? Uh, how did that scenario end up uh, that day? Was it a positive situation, a negative situation? I think we need to share more of our stories so that we can all be aware because mm-hmm. even, and, and the numbers to call are 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We're talking about life uh, uh, water safety and uh, staying safe on the water with Barbara Byers. Again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Even, Barbara, there are strong swimmers who can get into situations and find themselves that they nearly drown or that, that they, they do drown. So it's not just non-swimmers. Well, Exactly, Jane. And and I think what we don't always, we can't detect easily when we're in the water is if there's a current that is taking you away from your swimming area. It's very hard to discern that that is the case until you're there. I was at a cottage a couple of weeks ago and I was out in the lake uh, with a friend and we just had little pool manuals. We're chatting away and I looked and went, oh my God, we're like three cottages away. Like I I didn't feel like I was being transported down the lake. Right. And so um, if I wasn't a strong swimmer, um, <clears throat> I might have had a terrible time. <clears throat> well, and me. even even getting out on like Lake Huron, for instance, right, yeah. it can become, or Lake Superior, yeah. it can become quite tumultuous out, yeah. of, out of the blue. You just don't imagine that. And the other thing that's happened a few times with some drowning cases this year is, is uh, people get on the, the floaty things like a blow-up air mattress or a little boat or a little craft. They're fun and they're great, but you can be really whipped down the lake very, very quickly. And if you're a non-swimmer and you're way down there, that's a, a you know, treacherous situation. And even if you are a good swimmer, trying to go back with a wind that's taking you out and trying to go against that is, is really tough. So you really have to be respectful of the, uh, the water and the, and the power of it. I guess another thing to mention, uh, Jane, is that we look, we publish drowning reports every year and we follow these, um, that, the statistics from year to year. And I've been doing this for over 25 years. So I'm a baby boomer myself. And when I started doing this, had my job, I noticed that the age group with the highest drowning risk were, you know, 18 to 34 year old men, which isn't surprising. And today, 25 years later, it's still 18 to 34 year old men. 
But the other age group with a high drowning incidence are those over 55. So it's like those baby boomers were risk takers when they were young, but now they're 60, 55, 60, 65, and they're not sedentary sitting in, you know, rocking chairs watching the world go by. They're still boating. They're still swimming. They may still want to swim across to the island. They still may want to do their morning swim by themselves in the morning. They may still want to go in their boat by themselves. But all of those things are even more at risk when you're older. I know that. Um, You know, you're not as strong, you're not as resilient. So it's really important as you get older to not refrain from all those fun things you're doing. But if you're swimming out to the raft or you're swimming out to the island, don't go by yourself. Don't go without telling someone, have someone watch you, have someone out there with you. If you're going boating, don't go alone, wear a life jacket. You know, all of those things that are important for everyone. But as you get older, it's even more important because um, it's, it's, it can be really um, devastating if you're not, if you're alone. You swimming say, alone. right, swimming alone. You say wear a life jacket. Well, mm. how do we know it's, it's the proper kind of life jacket that will, yeah. that will not save our lives, but is the very best that you can buy. So we know it's a, uh, it's a proper PDF, right? Right. PFT. PFT. Yeah. yeah. First of all, it needs to be Transport Canada approved. So there needs to be a label inside that says it's Transport Canada approved. That's number one. It needs to fit you. It has to fit snugly and make sure all the buckles do up snugly. You don't want it too big because then it'll go over your your head. Um, most of all, pick one that that's comfortable for you. Some of these great kayaking life jackets are great because they have big arm holes and so you don't feel constrained by them. There's inflatables, which uh, are great to wear. I wear those often. Some are like a waist pack. Some are uh, wear over your shoulder. It's just like wearing a light towel. So I think, you know, for many people, they think the only life jackets are those big orange keyhole things from the Titanic movie. Like, exactly. They've come a long way. Yeah, I, I, sh- I should yeah. mention to you that I was a lifeguard before oh, I got oh, into radio. A long time yeah. ago, and I became a national lifeguard. I competed yeah. in Ontario, yeah. uh, and I made sure that my kids, I, I wanted them to get at least their bronze or bronze cross so right. that they could save themselves, be very strong swimmers. One went on and got her nationals. The other one got his bronze cross. But I just, I, I felt, I feel like it's such, it's like, like learning to drive. Yeah. Going through and getting up until your bronze, you you have at least the life skills. And if you know to wear a life jacket and you know how to be safe on the water, you're really setting yourself up for a safe life on the water. And a great life. Like, I mean, I I don't mean to be negative every time I'm interviewed about drownings and drownings. Like, most drownings are preventable. I mean, I'm, I'm like you. I was a lifeguard and I swam competitively. I still wear a life jacket every time I go in a boat. And often I'm the only one if with a group of other people. They say, well, why do you wear it? Well, why wouldn't I wear it? Like, what's the big deal? Right. It's fine. I get one that's comfortable. I'm confident. I'm fine. I don't really care if people think I'm cautious. I look cautious. Like, it's, why wouldn't I do it? The same reason I put my seatbelt on. Why wouldn't I? Yes, there's a law that's to excellent. wear a seatbelt. Why wouldn't I? It's not a big deal. So the best life jacket is one that you you like and you actually wear. And and it's smart. Why not? I want to live a long life. So why not do little things like wearing a life jacket to ensure that I have a wonderful, safe time on the water? The calls are coming in. Let's go to Debbie in Waterloo. Hi, Debbie. What would you like to add? Hi. Um, yeah, my husband and I survived a near drowning in Cuba some years ago. Um, and uh, thank goodness, I had um, been at a talk by 
our local regional police and one and the officer had advised if you ever feel um in danger um and you're uh, afraid to be embarrassed to look embarrassed um because you're not sure um listen to that little intuition and you know try to get help and so um I'm a good swimmer and we happened to get go in the water just as the tide was turning and not realized it. And I wasn't familiar with rip tides. Um, and I know we have enough up in Grand Bend area. There are a lot. So anyways, what happened was um, I got caught in a rip tide. Um, and my husband, he wasn't actually in the, in the rip tide, but he cannot swim. And the waves took us out over our head. And so immediately I was worried for him because he couldn't, I knew he couldn't swim, and I felt this tugging, and uh, it was, like, scary. So, thank goodness I can whistle loud. So, I thought what this officer said, I thought, okay. So, I started whistling and whistling really loud and um, calling for help. And uh, there were lifeguards, thank goodness, in Cuba. Um, That's a job people have as being a lifeguard. And uh, anyway, I saw my husband go down and not come up. I thought he had drowned, and then this riptide, it, 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 even if you're a good swimmer, it just sucks you down, and so I was under the water, and I could see the top of the water, and I accepted that I was going to die, um, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful here, so the water was just mesmerizing, and um, I felt sad that I was going to die, and, um, and that my husband had died, and then my children came my three children, one by one, their faces came to me, and the two oldest ones were angry because this was going to um, ruin their lives, and they were mad, and there were specific scenes that they, that came to me. So what did you do, Debbie? Um, the third, So the third child was praying, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I said, may it be your will that this couple pass me by. Um, may, it, may it be your will that I will survive. And I just prayed and prayed, and all of a sudden there was a, a hand grabbed me, and it was uh, one of the lifeguards. Oh, wow. And um, pulled me in. They had my husband on the sand um, doing CPR, mm-hmm. um, took us to a, um, a hospital, and my husband survived, and he had about a third of his lung was filled with... Uh, um, salt for the next couple of years. Every time he coughed or, right. or uh, you know, was um, coughed up any phlegm, he could taste the salt. But uh, Debbie, anyway, thank so, you so much. Thank you for um, sharing your story. To your intuition and yeah. uh, trust in a higher power. Thank you so much for calling and sharing your story. The the riptides, Barbara, uh, undertoes. My dad has a story uh, off Nova Scotia when he was a young man, very strong swimmer, and the undertow took him under, and he just said he went with it. Mm -hmm. And eventually he popped up and he was fine. But he didn't, the worst thing you can do is fight it. Absolutely. You go with it. And when you pop up, and then you have to tell yourself, I can't go against this to get back to shore. You need to sort of angle your way towards shore. So continue on with it. But work your way on a gradual angle towards shore and you'll get, uh, that's the best way to get there because uh, it's stronger than you are. 
But yeah, it's, it's quite devastating. Many of the Great Lakes, Lake Huron, for example, often has those big riptides. So it's it's hard to tell that it's there when you're going swimming, but you should ask around, ask the locals, say, what's the situation like? What's the water like today? And really be very respectful and make sure that's not the case because that could be a devastating situation. We are speaking with Barbara Byers of the Lifesaving Society of Ontario about water safety. There have been 58 drowning deaths to date in Ontario from January 1st until today. Uh, Barbara, how do we see that number compared with previous years? Um, it's one more than the same day last year, but I think what's really important this year is since the 1st of July, um, there have been 31 drownings in Ontario uh, compared to 18, same day last year. So this year was a cold winter and all the high water levels and a cold spring. So summer really didn't get going till the middle of June. And we've had exceptional weather just like today. I mean, almost every day. So with hot, lovely weather, unfortunate, well, comes partaking in the water, whether it's swimming or boating. And so uh, we have seen an increase this year. And, uh, you know, even this weekend, I've been checking the news all weekend. I haven't heard of any this weekend. Mm-hmm. I know. I've been thinking the same thing. Sun- Monday night. But yeah. Hopefully not. Um, hopefully people are. Wouldn't that be something if we, if I, have some, if I have some good news to report on Zoomer Radio News in the morning, that That'd there were no amazing. drownings over the weekend. Let's go to Sheila in Dunkirk. Sheila, what would you like to add today? Uh, we were in Lake Erie, and my daughters both learned how to swim because I don't swim, and I had all my daughters take swimming lessons so they would know how to swim. Anyway, they got in a place where the tide was, it was, it was I don't think it was a tide, but it was an undertow. And they both went down at the same time, and two young men came and saved them and brought them to shore, and they were okay. And it was, I believe it was Heavenly Father that sent those two boys. Well, thank you so much, Sheila. That speak, they weren't lifeguards, I guess, but that does speak to another issue, Barbara, is swimming in areas where there are lifeguards. These lifeguards go through years of training to do what they do. Absolutely. We know in looking at our uh, drowning stats every year that there's less than 1% of all drownings are where lifeguards are are working lifeguard supervised areas. So what the lifeguards do are two things. One, of course, they're there if there's a, a rescue needed and they can do it as fa- you know very quickly and time is of the essence. But the other big part of a lifeguard's job is prevention. Right. So they are uh, noticing if poor swimmers are going into areas that are too, uh, too deep. We used to call them gutter grabbers. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, they are just alerting parents to watch their kids. They're uh, ensuring that people are in the swimming area and so on. So especially if you're a non-swimmer and if you have kids and you're a non-swimmer parent, the safest place to go is where uh, where lifeguards are working because that's their job. Just one more thing, Jane, that I think is important to mention, too, is you hear every year, there are stories every year of someone who goes to rescue somebody who's in trouble in the water. And of course, as a parent, if your child is in trouble, the first thing you want to do is, is save them. That's what we intuitively want to do. But if you are First, the first thing you should do is get help. Have someone get help. Call 911. If you are a complete non-swimmer and you do not know how to swim at all, 
you should find someone else to go and rescue your kids because a non-swimmer rescuing people who can't, who are in trouble is, is not a good situation. But say you are a, a reasonable swimmer and you feel pretty confident. Look at what lifeguards do. They don't go out and rescue with nothing. They always take something with them. They have a rescue can. They have a rescue tube. They have something that floats with them. So don't go empty handed. Look around the beach. Maybe there's a pool noodle. Maybe there's a life jacket. Maybe there's a cooler lid that floats, something that floats floats, take it with you. And when you go out to to rescue that person, rather than having them grab onto you, put that thing out to them, put that pool noodle or that uh, cooler lid out, and they can grab onto it. And then they will be so relieved, and they will not be holding on to you. Because when someone's panicking and drowning, they are like superhuman strength. Right. You don't want them grabbing onto you. So have them grab onto that. And then you and can, can swim backwards. Swim back to safety right. with them. So just don't go with nothing at all because they're going to be so panicked and see you and grab onto you. And unfortunately, you know, there's often terrible outcomes from that. So look what the lifeguards do and take something uh, with you. But if you're in a lifeguard supervised area and someone's in trouble, tell the lifeguards that's their job and they're the best people to uh, to rescue that person. And just one more thing about cottage living, because there's still a lot of cottaging to go this summer. It's your cottage. People are coming to visit. How do you ensure that your guests stay safe? Well, I think... Um it's really important to to sort of talk about the safety practices at your cottage. Like, for example, um, a family may come with young children, and if they're not used to cottaging, they may not have life jackets for their little ones. And, of course, life jackets are great when you're in a boat, for sure, but they're also really important <clears throat> to put on non-swimmers and young children. So if you have a cottage and a family with kids come up or your grandchildren, have those young kids, those, um, say, under, under eight, wear a life jacket anytime they leave the cottage because they you may not think it's swimming time but they remember how much fun it is in the water and they'll want to go there so just articulate to everyone what your safety practices are so um it's a safe and fun weekend thank you so much for coming in on your day off barbara thank you jane it was great to have you here barbara byers public education and research director with the life saving society of ontario be safe out there on the waterways we still have a month and a half to go of summer and we want to make sure everybody stays safe you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from noon to one you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.